You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for The Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all. Today we are going to be continuing through our sermon series, surprise, surprise, in Colossians, which we've titled Completing Christ. And, and I hope that so far it has been encouraging for you. Just as we process and, and, and digest what it truly means and, and how amazing and, and freeing it is to, to find our satisfaction, our purpose, and our identity in Jesus alone. And, and on that end, I want to remind you as well that if, if you've missed a, a, a message in this series, it, it is, it is, Colossians is written in the form of a letter. So it's like one whole thought process it all goes together. And so if you've missed a message in this series or if you ever want to revisit one or share one or whatever, we post them on, on Spotify and, and, and uh, iTunes and stuff and on our website for that purpose so you can re-listen. So go check them out if, if, you, if you've missed one. And uh, to that end, we're just going to get right into our passage today. And, and this is going to be a, a two-parter. So uh, if I don't get into something in the passage, if I miss something, don't, don't fret. Don't be like, oh, Pastor Greg didn't talk about this part. Don't fret. We'll be continuing next week, uh, in which case, even then, I'll probably miss some stuff because the text is so deep and, and weighty. Uh, so it's always important to take it home and, and study it yourself uh, and just re- meditate on it yourself with the Lord and with your family and with others as well. All right, so let's, let's dive in. Colossians 2, we're going to be at uh, verse 6. And going to verse 15, Colossians 2, 6 to 15. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the, the church community in Colossae. He says to them, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. That's it. That's all we need to hear, right? As, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead." And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is the word of the Lord. So over the past decade, we've seen a rise of, of media influencers 
on the internet. Anyone notice that? Yeah? <laughs> whether, whether on YouTube, TikTok, or Instagram, or whatever. Uh, some have even amassed, some of these influencers have amassed millions of followers, which is mind-blowing, crazy to think about. Crazy to think about. Um, one, one mom in, in particular had garnered 2.5 million followers on her YouTube channel just, just by showing videos of her family life and, and giving advice on how to raise her children. That's pretty cool, right? And incredible, though, that, that so many people would follow her, and if I can use the term, be discipled by her regarding all the ways that we should parent our own children. What's even more incredible about this is that this woman was recently arrested and charged with six felony counts of child abuse, including malnutrition and duct-taping her children to chairs. In other words, 2.5 million captivated viewers were being duped and deceived by her parenting philosophies, which were actually a horrible and disgusting sham. In another instance, <clears throat> a specific pastor from the United States had garnered millions of followers online as well, grew a mega church, had several New York Times best-selling books, and his, his blunt sermons were all the rage until it came out that he was a narcissist, manipulating the system by buying his own books with church funds, and also emotionally and spiritually abusing his staff and congregants. In other words, millions of captivated people were being duped and deceived online by his teachings, eventually causing a lot of hurt and anger at the church and God. My, my, my point is, with, with the rise of the internet and social media, We've seen a major increase in deception along with a steep decline in discernment. So a major increase in deception and a major decline in discernment. Or maybe the social internet has just shone uh, a light and has taken advantage of a lack of discernment that was already there. I, either way, it's crazy how, how willingly... We submit ourselves to, 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 the discipleship of, to the discipleship of those that, that we can't properly vet or who we don't even know. In, in fact, according to, to author Chris Martin, that's what social media takes advantage of. He writes in his book, The Wolf in Their Pockets, which is all about social media, he says, the design of social media is to decide where we look with our eyes and what we do with our fingers. So enchanting our hearts and our minds first starts with grabbing our eyes and our fingers. Our unquenchable thirst for more content blurs our understanding of reality and can lead us into any number of intellectual or moral ditches. Social media platforms spread sensationalism at the cost of truth, and this makes it even easier to succumb to a lack of discernment regarding what is real and what is not. So, so social, to put it simply, social media does not care what's true or not. What, what it ultimately cares about is that you're engaging with it. So it's going to show you stuff you agree with, it's going to show you stuff that you disagree with and they're going to comment on, right? Whatever, whatever it takes 
to captivate you. That's what the algorithms are set up to do, to take us captive, to hold us hostage, to, to, in, to encourage us to willingly spend hours a day in social media prison being discipled and affirmed by its empty deceit. And, and this is just such a great example of what Paul is, is warning us about, or is warning the Colossians about here in verses 6 to 8. I'm going, to, I'm going to read it in Colossians 2, 6 to 8. It says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We've, we've been talking about this for the whole series so far, right? And then, and then he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So again, last week we, we discussed how as, as Christians, as image bearers of God, we've been transformed by Christ and this new purpose or this new vocation comes with new priorities that are now aligned with the heart and mission of God. Or as Paul writes here, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. To that end, our ultimate purpose as born-again Christians is to represent and proclaim Jesus Christ in this world for the glory of God. That's our mission. But, but here's the thing. The world in which we've been sent into is also full of false teachers, false prophets, flawed philosophies, and, and many other worldviews that, that could tempt us or deceive us or take us captive in order to keep us from accomplishing the glorious and eternal purpose that we've been given. And, and, and for us today, especially with the rise of, of the internet and, and social media, this, this danger is more prevalent than ever before in the history of mankind. As, as Jesus told the 12 when he sent them on their first missions trip, they'll be like sheep among wolves. He's sending them out like sheep among wolves. And so Paul's saying to us, in the same vein, make sure that, that as sheep, you're grounded in the truth so that we don't get deceived by what's false, by the wolves. So we don't get held captive by all those worldly ideologies and philosophies of empty deceit. In other words, take care concerning who or, or what you're being discipled by so that you can be effective and, and steadfast in discipling others. Does that make sense? Take, take care who or what you're being discipled by so that you can be effective in discipling others. But the, the problem with being deceived, though, is that it's never that obvious. Is it? Like, whether it's, like, spiritual demonic deception or whether it's false prophets or even just shysters trying to sell us some piece of garbage by convincing us we really need it and, and that we're incomplete without it, right? Whoever it is, they're not going to come at us with obvious lies that are easy for us to recognize. No, no, the, the art of deception is to captivate to attract us and, and lure us in with, with the, these partial truths that have been sensationalized with smoke machines and lasers and 
scantily clad women, right? Or, 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 or twisted ever so slightly so that they sound intellectual or, or wonderfully affirming or, or entertaining or helpful or, or whatever. And, and the people peddling these, these deceptions often come in the form of really kind and nice people. I, I've seen so many people say, well, you're, you're just like, stop telling, saying that guy is wrong or whatever. He's such a nice person. Who cares? <laughs> if he's wrong, he's wrong. Right? They're going to come in the form of, of nice people or in the form of vocations that we might be inclined to just automatically trust. You know, whether that be pastors or prophets or influencers or whoever else. This is why the Bible calls them wolves in sheep's clothing. You lost me here. <laughs> and didn't like the truth, hey, Matt? I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is wolves in sheep's clothing, right? This is, this is exactly how, how the, the devil operates. Right? He doesn't come wearing a, a plastic red suit with, with horns and a pitchfork trying to scare you. Right? No, he comes, us, comes to us in, in, you know, in, in really nice clothing and, and, and with smooth speech looking to, to lure you in by convincing you he has your best interest at heart and that, that he has what you need. But as it says in 1 Peter, behind the disguise, he's actually prowling around like a lion looking for someone to devour, looking for someone who's off their guard. Right? That, that, this, this is a lot like the uh, allegorical or personified Madame Folly, who is the antithesis of, of Lady Wisdom found in Proverbs 9. So there's Lady Wisdom, there's Madame Folly. And, you know, Solomon's saying, hey, follow Lady Wisdom, not Madame Folly, right? But it describes Madame Folly as loud and that, and that she calls out to, to the, the clueless in the streets with her wonderful promises of, of pleasure and satisfaction and forbidden food. But the truth is she knows nothing and, and her way leads to death. She reminds me of one of those haunted house portraits, you know what I'm talking about, with, where there's a picture of a woman, but then you walk past it and it turns into a skeleton or a zombie face, you know what I'm talking about, or, or you just tilt it a little bit and it, and it turns into a zombie face. That's like Madame Folly. Like she looks good on the outside, but on the inside, no, that's, that's gross. So just like Madame Folly, right, worldly philosophies or other religious practices or, or worldviews, world even some that might look kind of Christian or, or, or seem spiritual, they, they might seem really attractive or, or exciting or affirming, and they might even seem to kind of complement Jesus' teachings, either because of what they claim or because of the way they're accepted or, or the way that they're peddled. But, but in the end, when, when you just tilt them a little bit, we can see it's all lies. And that they're only going to lead us away from focusing on Jesus and therefore keep us from living out our created purpose to follow after him in freedom. And this is why Paul uses the language he does here. He's, he's not simply saying, make sure that you don't believe lies. No, he's saying, don't get held captive by them. Because worldly philosophies are disguised to be captivating. 
2 Timothy 4, 1 to 4, even, even says it like this. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and, and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Why? For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. We are in this time, right? We're witnessing this prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes. If, if, if we look around in our culture, we can clearly see that we're living in an age where truth is relative and even more than that, where feelings actually trump truth. Like where people care more about being affirmed than being correct. In, in fact, we're living in a time that scholars are now calling a post-Christian era where secular humanism is on the rise in our culture. And sec- secular humanism, this, this is a philosophy that puts humanity in the center of all things, instead of God, right? So, and this philosophy is intertwined and, 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 and sometimes rooted in, or is the root of other philosophies like individualism, living your own truth, consumerism, self-help, loving yourself, manifesting our wants into existence. <laughs> Weird. And um, hedonism, which is the pursuit of just selfish pleasure. These are the doctrines of our day, which unsurprisingly all reflect the original sin of Adam and Eve in the garden, which dismissed God's order in favor of man's seeking, uh, self-seeking morality, right? To that end, we're now living in an age where sin and unbiblical sexual and moral ethics are celebrated as good, and anyone who disagrees must be a bigot, a hateful bigot. Even though this has led to body image issues, mental health issues, and identity issues in a larger scale than we've ever seen before. We're also living in an age of intellectualism, where knowledge is king, right? And, that, and it claims that there's no room for God because, because we've become too smart and too scientific and too rational for God, which has led to a rise in atheism in the Western culture. Though if there is any room for God at all, then we super smart humans get to quote-unquote rationally deconstruct God and decide who or what God is. Because it's certainly not considered intellectual to believe any God would have inspired something like the Bible. Yet, ironically, in in contrast to that, we also live in an age where practices of Eastern religions and and New Age pseudo-spiritual stuff like nature worship, such as Wicca and, and wearing you know, crystals for good vibes, has also become all the rage and widely accepted as well. So, so the, 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 these are just some of the empty philosophies that look shiny and intelligent and, and spiritual, but will never, ever fulfill what they promise and, and will one day pass away, unlike the Word of God, which will never pass away. The, the sad part is that most of these philosophies and worldviews have, have actually crept their way into many Christian circles, denominations, 
causing so-called pastors and believers to just kind of, you know, pick and choose parts of the Bible they like or the parts that they can manipulate to line up with their man-made values and then just kind of throw away the rest, usually leading to philosophies like universalism, where Jesus is no longer the only way to heaven, or things like mysticism, where people have access to this visionary realm or whatever, and the Holy Spirit is a magical genie. You know, top that all off with the fact that, as I said before, with the internet, it's easier than ever to go online and just find a, a teacher or a guru or, or, or a philosopher or pseudo-intellectual or a, or a pastor or a self-proclaimed prophet that will prop up your desired ideologies and political values and will tell you exactly what you want to hear. not saying that everyone online is a liar or that everyone online has ulterior motives. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it's easy to find someone to confirm your biases, whatever they are. Besides, no one is, is fallible anyway, right? Like, uh, or infallible anyway, right? Even, even trustworthy teachers and, and pastors can be wrong sometimes, including me. And, and sadly... Though some, come on, I wasn't that funny. Son. And sadly, you know, some, some can even just go off the rails and, and just pull you along with them if you're not careful. And so we need to be careful. And, and, and not to the point where, where we just hide from society, where we shelter ourselves from the world and, and hide from our culture. No, not, not at all. We're, we're called as believers to go into the world as lights for Christ, as image bearers of God, to, to show the world a better way. But as we go, we need to do it with our focus on Jesus and with discernment. We need to do it with our focus on Jesus and with discernment. Let's get real because this, this is real. This isn't just like a, a concept that we're talking about here. This, this is real. We've, we've lost church family members in the last couple of years because they've gone off to follow philosophies and teachings that itch their ears and affirm their motives and desired lifestyles when the Bible wouldn't. And honestly, I have to say that this, this sermon topic was um, emotionally difficult to, to contemplate and, and write about this week because my heart breaks for those who, who've been taken captive by the course of this world. For those who've... who've who used to follow Jesus but now have gone off to, to accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own opinions and have turned away from the truth. Turned away from the one who is the truth. Who is Jesus Christ. That the way, the truth, and the life. The only one in whom all the fullness of God's wisdom and deity dwells. The only one who paid our sin debt at the cross and invites us into a new and eternal covenant as spirit-filled sons and daughters of God the Father. First Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 
worldly wisdom sees the cross of Christ as, as just foolishness. But for us, it is the wisdom of God and the power of God. Ultimately then, if, if, if we're going to be steadfast in our faith, if, if we are going to be successful in living out our calling as image bearers of God, in, in this age where, where so many Madame Follies or, or worldly philosophies are calling out to us in the streets to take us captive, we need to be both rooted and established in the wisdom and power of God and continuously practicing discernment. We need to be on guard. Which, which, and what this means primarily is, is that we, we need to be grounded in our relationship with Jesus Christ. He needs to be our immovable foundation. We, we need to keep our eyes on the one who is the wisdom and the power of God so that we can run this race that's set before us. Because what happens when we do that, when we, we behold him, as we were singing about, is, is that as it says, when, as the song says, when we turn our eyes upon Jesus... The things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I love that. If we're captivated by Jesus, we won't get held captive by anything else. If we're captivated by Jesus, we won't get held captive by anything else. If we're submitted to him as his disciples, we won't be tempted to submit to anything else either. And, and so I encourage you just to take and make time every single day to, to spend time with the Lord, to, to be captivated by him. Spend time by yourself and, and, and with others in his word, in prayer, in worship, in, in confession, in silence and, and reflection on, on who he is and in giving thanks for what he's done for you. We've talked a couple times about how important it is to, to give thanks. Paul mentions it again in this passage because it reminds us of, of, of how much we have in Christ, that we are complete in Christ. Bottom line here is that he invites us to come to him and, and know him and find rest in him. So make sure you're saying yes to that invitation every day. Secondly, though, we also need to be watchful and, and practicing discernment at all times. So that's, you know, when we, when we watch TV, when we listen to podcasts, when we go for coffee with somebody, when we, when we read books or articles, when we scroll through social media, we need to learn to be able to see and interpret everything through the lens of God's truth. And to that end, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 to 21, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Test everything. Test everything. In other words, we need to be discerning. Don't just blindly believe everything you hear because it sounds good to you. And, and conversely, don't be so quick to deny things just because you don't like the sound of them. It goes both ways, right? And instead, seek the truth. Test everything and then hold on to what is good. So how do we do that? How, how can we test all things? How can we be discerning in this culture? Well, I'll give you five ways. And they're all intertwined together, meaning you can't just do one. 
They all work together. They're all important. And this isn't in any particular order either of importance. The five ways we can be discerning, we need to be doing them all. And the more we do them, I think that the more naturally it'll happen in our lives, right? And, and the closer we are with Jesus, the more we know his truth, and that, the more naturally discernment happens. But we need, still need to be intentional in doing it. So, first way, as I said earlier, and what I feel like I've been saying every single week, <laughs> we can discern and test the truth in all things by measuring it up to the Bible. Like the Berians in the book of Acts, in order to find out if what we're being told is, is, is human tradition or if it's of God, we should search the scriptures to see if it lines up or agrees with God's word. Because the, the Bible not only teaches us to discern the truth with the help of the Holy Spirit, but it also exposes the, the worldly deceptions which, which calls out to us as well. That is, as we read it, it opens our eyes to the reality of the temptations, the lies, and, and, and worldly philosophies that once looked exciting, that once looked attractive and appetizing to our flesh, but in his light are, are revealed for what they truly are. It's worthless. This is exactly why the enemy does not want us to read our Bibles. A.W. A. Tozer once wrote, Satan's greatest weapon is man's ignorance of God's word. If we don't know the word, we won't see him coming. If we don't know the word, we won't know when we're being held captive by lies. And on the other side of the coin, if, if we don't know the word, we won't recognize when God's moving or when his Holy Spirit is working in us or, and in our circumstances either. It goes both ways. We need to be grounded in the word. This is what it means in Proverbs when it says to guard our minds. A warning, though, don't let this process of, of testing things through Scripture lead you to become cynical of everything or even judgmental and, and arrogant of, you know, against those who are getting it wrong or something, becoming like Pharisees, always you know, pointing out how, how people are in error or whatever. No, we, we can gently correct people, but that, we don't want to be like Pharisees. So with humility and meekness, we need to come to the Word. We need to test everything according to it. So, for example, and, and this is probably what the Colossians were struggling with specifically, if someone comes up to you and says, oh, no, Jesus alone can't save you or complete you, you, you also need to make sacrifices and, and, and do good works and, and, and wear white underwear or whatever, right? The, the <laughs> we laugh. But the truth is many, many people might have a tendency to believe Something like this, right? Especially those who feel unworthy and feel like they have to earn God's favor. Or they've been taught that, right? But yeah, we can, we can test that ideology by, by opening up our Bibles. And to see that it says, in Ephesians, by grace you have been saved through faith, not, a, not a, as a result of works, so that no one can boast. Right? So again, test all things with the Word of God. Secondly then, we discern and test all things by praying about it. Prayer, so important. But this one needs to coincide with the first one. Like I said, they're all intermingled. They all work together. This step needs to coincide with the first one. So as you read the word, ask the Holy Spirit to lead you into discerning what's true or what's false. And as we do that, we, we also have to make sure we're listening to the Lord and accepting what the word says. 
whether the answer is what you want to hear or, or not. That's so important. We, we need to come with humility and, and meekness to the, to the word and in prayer. And what I mean is sometimes we want something to be true, so much so that, that we ignore the Bible or we ignore the Holy Spirit when, when he's saying the opposite, when he's warning us. You know, for example, uh, many years ago, many, many years ago, before my time, uh, a popular charismatic movement in the United States was led by a very charismatic man in both his personality and religious practice. He was also self-confident. He was a, a great speaker, had a really pleasing personality. People just loved him. And he preached, you know, tolerance and, and love from Scripture and even, even practiced miraculous healings and, and did other signs and wonders to just confirm everything he was saying. And so people flocked to his church from across the country, like busloads of people would be coming to the services and stuff. It was this crazy movement. The fallout of this movement was the Jonestown Suicides. People wanted so badly to believe in the fanaticism and, and the miracles and the signs and wonders of this Jim Jones guy. So much so that they just jumped in and they ignored the warning signs. And probably some of them were saying, well, I, I, I kind of see some warning signs, but everything else he's doing is so good. Right? But they ignored the, the manipulations and, and the faked healings. He hired people to, to pretend to be healed. And, and, and they ignored the twisted truths. And, and they ignored his extramarital relationship. And because of their lack of discernment, they all ended up drinking the Kool-Aid. Literally, that's where that expression comes from. If, if, if only they'd have stopped to get on their knees and ask God if this was of him or if it was a man-made philosophy and, and a false teaching that could lead to death. Jeremiah 29, 8-9, I was reminded of this passage at a conference I was at yesterday. It reflects this, right? It says, yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. Do you see how that's written? Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They're just saying what you want them to say. And that says, they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. So this is, this is a lesson for us, right? Before we jump in on any bandwagon, as, as exciting or, or captivating as it might seem, we need to stop. We need to pray about it. We need to ask the Lord for wisdom. And the good news here is that, is that the Bible tells us that when we need wisdom, God gives it freely. James 1.5, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives, it, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. Of course it will be given to you. God doesn't want you to be led astray. <laughs> of course he'll give you wisdom. So we need to measure things up to the word and pray about these things. Thirdly, we can discern truth from non-truth by recognizing the fruit. 
by recognizing the fruit. Matthew 7, 15 to 20 says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? I don't actually know. But (laughs) likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Right? A, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So this, the fruit is talking about something that lasts, right? Not something that's like temporary or looks really good in the moment. No, fruit is something that, that lasts, right? Everything else is thrown into the fire. It's gone. So, so whenever you're being taught or, or told something, especially in regards to Scripture or God or, or miracles or prophecy or, or identity or anything else along those lines, always consider the source, Consider the source. It's important to not only examine the motives and and qualifications of the person you're being discipled by, but also to examine the evidence of of their character and and the genuineness by if it reflects and glorifies Jesus or not. Again, I'm I'm included in that as well. Don't don't just take my word for it. You know, though though I can honestly say with with a clean conscience that in 13 years I've, I've never once phoned in a sermon. They haven't all been good, but I've, I've, I've never not given my all to, to study and, and preach and, and pray the word in season and out of season for the glory of God and for your sakes, because I care about you, because I know you. But still, don't just blindly believe what I say. Test it with Scripture. Look at the fruit. Again, I'm, not, I'm certainly not perfect, right? But am I growing in the Lord? Am, am I seeking to, to live like and glorify Jesus in my life? Does my teaching reflect that? Simple questions to ask. That can save you a lot of trouble. And, and again, this is one of the biggest problems with social media. We, we watch quick clips of, of, of people peddling information and, and making claims. Sometimes we share them. But we, we, we never have time to consider the source or, or, or consider how they got to their conclusions before we just move on to the next meme. Like, like we don't ask, who actually is this person? What's, what's their motivation? Does, does what they say uh, or write line up with Scripture? And, and what makes them qualified to even speak on this subject? No, we often just like consume and, and we move on. Who are we being discipled by here? So pay attention to the fruit. Fourth thing is we can discern and test all philosophies and and worldviews by taking note of whether they glorify Jesus or something or someone else. Again, Paul writes that philosophies of empty deceit are those that are not according to Christ. And 1 John 4, 1-3 agrees. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. 
So any philosophy or, or worldview that explicitly denies Jesus Christ as the Word of God become flesh and as, as the only Savior should just be thrown out. Don't add it to your collection and be like, I'm just taking the good stuff. No, just throw it out. Don't even give those philosophies or false prophets an inch. Even if, again, even if some of it sounds good. Because that, that's the way of deceit, right? To lure you in with half-truths. <laughs> so just don't. If it's anti-Jesus, anti-Christ, then it's anti-truth and it's anti-spirit and it's not of God. Simple as that. And finally, the fifth thing, the fifth way we can test all things is by listening to, to our trusted and godly Christian peers. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in abundance of counselors, there is safety. We, we are safe here, right? The, but in the same way, we need to be willing to heed the advice of, of people who actually care about us, who know us personally, who love Jesus, and who are knowledgeable in the Word. This, this could include brothers and sisters in Christ. This could include Christian family members or faithful pastors or church leaders. Who, whoever it is, we all need to be willing to humbly ask and, and receive wisdom and, and correction and, and biblical knowledge of people we know and trust. Simply because it's the people who care about us who will truly want to keep us from danger. That's why it's so important to live this Christian life in, in community so we can teach, correct, and encourage one another in the Word. Of course, again, nobody's perfect. We're all, we're all on a journey of growth and understanding here, so we need to be, have patience and kindness through that, right? But still, together, with, with, a, with a genuine desire to seek the truth through the Word and in the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we can help one another stay on the narrow path that leads to life. We can encourage one another to remain captivated by Jesus so that we won't get held captive by anything else. And in conclusion then, I just want to finish with the words of Peter in, in his second letter. 2 Peter 3, 14 to 18. It says, therefore, beloved, that's, that's us, the church, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him, Jesus, without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, fair enough, which, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own, own destruction which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen.